For new music, upcoming events, and Normandy Records merchandise, visit our website at normandyrecords.com. Thanks for listening to the Normandy Records podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Normandy Records podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. I truly appreciate it. You know, I've been thinking a lot about um, like podcasts and and like actually having a podcast and doing it. And uh, this actually isn't the first time that I attempted it. I actually tried, I think, three times prior to this. Uh, the first one was like a sports concept uh, with two of my friends from college, and we would just talk about sports, and uh, it was cool. It was very ambitious, though. Um, the second one was a pretty cool concept, actually, called The Millennial Mile with my buddy Chris Holly, and we were just talking to, uh, very similar to this, actually, um, millennial creatives, millennial business owners or whatever. Uh, so that was cool. It just it just didn't stick, you know, until maybe about last year, October, when we started this. And now I'm here. And um, yeah, it's been fun. So uh, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all staying cool if you're in L.A. Um, it, we're having a heat wave. It's pretty dang hot. Uh, me, I'm doing okay. I fell off my bike yesterday. It was pretty, pretty gnarly. Uh, I'm pretty sore. My left shoulder hurts. But, uh, you know, riding a bike in LA is intense. It's it's not really a city meant for that. Although I think it's absolutely gorgeous to take a bike ride through LA. It's, so it's just kind of like a tough thing. But um, I was uh, riding, uh, I was going east on Fountain. I went on a bike ride in Hollywood and which is the worst place to bike by the way so i'll admit that uh but i was going east on fountain and i was uh riding with traffic obviously uh but it was pretty clear but then i saw a heavy load of traffic coming behind me so i was like yeah, you know what i'm gonna run on the sidewalk for a little bit until it clears up for a second um i know that's not what you're supposed to do but that's what i do uh so while i was doing that my wheel got caught parallel to the sidewalk the, but the part that's for driveways where the cars get access but that's still not at street level that's probably at about maybe like an inch or two above street level so my wheel got 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 caught parallel and I lost control and as soon as I saw that I because I, I watched it happen I was like shit so I let go of the bike and I uh just kind of braced myself for the fall luckily I'm fine I mean my left shoulder hurts because that's what slammed on the ground and I got a couple of cuts my palm is pretty fucked up actually it's a pretty deep ass cut in the middle of my palm um, but yeah, that's been my weekend. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Uh, again, listen, if you're new to this podcast, uh, please, please follow, please subscribe, please share, uh, normandyrecords.com and you can pretty much find anything and everything about the label. Uh, all of our social accounts should be linked to that. So normandyrecords.com, that's really the foundation of everything, uh, on the internet for us at least, sorry, not the whole internet. Uh, but listen, today's episode uh, features Christian Morales of Space Agency Booking. He is a booking agent based in LA. He's a super cool guy. Uh, we've collaborated in the past, and you know he's just super insightful. And this 
interview was really, really cool because although I've known him for a little bit over close to two years, I guess, um, I never really asked him about this stuff. You know, I'm pretty familiar with how things work, but I never really got an opportunity to dive into his world of booking agents. And he uh, was kind enough to jump on the podcast and talk about it a little bit. Uh, So thanks to Christian. I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys find some value in it. Thank you again. Please subscribe. Please follow. Give us a nice review. Take care. Don't fall off your bike. See you guys next week. Christian, welcome to the Normandy Records podcast. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going, Eric? Thanks for having me. Hey, man, thanks for coming on. First of all, how are you? How's everything uh, with this with this crazy pandemic that we're living through? Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, you know, fortunately, I'm doing well. My family's doing well. That's great. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just we're in this for the long haul. Yeah, absolutely, man. And listen, before uh, we get into your story and before we get into... Um, what it is that you do, there's an initiative right now that you brought to my attention that everyone really should be aware of. Can you touch on that a little bit before we dive into the conversation, please? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the live music ecosystem has taken a massive hit and uh, music venues employ hundreds and thousands of workers from sound engineers, custodial staff, food and beverage workers, bartenders, servers, touring crews, tour managers. So it's a giant ecosystem of employees um, whose essentially their work has been completely uh, shut down for indefinite amount of time. So um, there are two organizations that are currently calling action uh, to Congress uh, to basically include the Restart Act um, and the Save Our Stages Act into the next pandemic relief bill which will give uh, small loans to many businesses who have been affected from the, uh, from the closures. So uh, the two uh, independent organizations um, that are basically championing these bills are the National Independent Venue Association, NEVA. So it's uh, independently owned music venues, people like you and I um, who invested their life's work into their buildings, who bring us all the stages and all the shows that, that we love to see. Um, so they are the National Independent Venue Association, NEVA, and then there's also the National Independent Talent Organization representing the agents and the managers who collectively represent and book some of our favorite artists. So ev- everyone's taken a hit. And yeah, I mean, um, I think I can leave you a link so that you can, you know, share this information if you can. That would be great. 100%. I will totally do that. Uh, so please look for that in the description of this episode. And I'll, I'll get that going on social media as well, man. Really important stuff. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now with that area of the music business. And um, there's, there's, you kind of feel like there's no way around it um, because of the nature of the, of the virus. And, it, you know, live music is everything that the virus attacks. So it's, it's just really unfortunate. 
but uh let's all do what we can to support the cause um all right man thank you for that let's dive into your story man you are an agent at space agency correct uh yes sir okay i'm an agent at space agency booking yeah you um how long have you been an agent um i started i'm gonna say officially or unofficially about four years ago in 2016. okay and um how did how did you get started uh to tell me a little bit about how you got started in the agency world right right um so i went in a very um unintentional way i took a i took a different path so i started off as a as a young kid in la going to shows everywhere all the time as, as often as i could um i actually started going to shows early on I'm gonna say like when I was 11 or 12, my, my older brother was playing in a Spanish Marocan Espanol band, uh, indie band at the time. So um, I kind of just got introduced to the scene at an early age. At an early age, I'm gonna say like 12, 13, 14 years old. And um, yeah, over time, you know, I was going to like house party shows and backyards, um, everything from like punk to indie rock, hip hop. Um, so I had a very fun upbringing in that in that way and I started to uh, to play in bands and I started to book all of the shows uh, over time and I started to kind of just develop a local local network and I was very involved in like the local scenes in like uh, different parts of LA East LA downtown and yeah I I had numerous bands over the years and Eventually, I'm going to say around college, I started to book my bands uh, international, like in like Mexico City and TJ um, through just like connections and networks and, and the Internet. Um, I was kind of bartering different opportunities with uh, with different acts um, that were local in like Mexico City. And eventually, like, yeah, I would I would give some of these bands like shows in L.A. and I, I would trade them a show and like in Mexico City and that started to expand a little bit more. So I kind of just built a network and eventually somebody um, who represented like a, a really well-established artist from Chile gave me a chance. And so I booked my first tour in 2016 for Hepping. And then from that point on, it just uh, it just snowballed into to what I do now. That's awesome, man, that's super cool. What do you remember most about like the early days is there a lesson that you remember from the early days when you were t figuring this out? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many lessons that you learn along the way, just like things not to do, things to do, um, how to approach people for opportunities. And, you know, uh, I think mainly it's uh, it's to add value to any relationship that you're that you're going for um, in terms of expanding your network. Um, you know, for example, like if uh, if you're going to go to a music venue that, that you really like and you want to play there, um, you'd like to, to tell them like, hey, you know, I, uh, my band can bring X amount of people into your room. Like we, we're, we're good for 50 people or something like that. So things like that will, will kind of, you know, allow you to, you know, somebody will open the door for you. And, and yeah, I would say just make sure that uh, the relationships that you, that you approach, that you're adding value. So, so you're from LA, uh, born and raised yeah. in LA. Born and raised in LA. What's uh, what, what are your thoughts about the LA scene? Like, uh, like what what have you gathered most over the years from the Los Angeles music scene? 
I mean, we're super lucky that um, in any like given night of the week that we can see whoever we want for the most part, or at least in the before times, um, you know, you could have gone to see uh, Kendrick Lamar one day and I don't know, M83 the next day. And we just have like, I mean, we're one of the top touring markets in the world and we're just super lucky to have um, that many concerts coming through our city. Yeah, absolutely. How many venues are there in LA? Do you know? I know that's, that's a tough question, but I don't know. <laughs> Do I? Um, I mean, there's a lot. There's so many independent ones. I mean, in terms of like clubs, there has to be at least 20 or 30. Um, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of music venues here. Absolutely. Uh, tell me a little bit of which, of at least what you can about the agency that you're currently working with. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thanks for asking. So uh, Space Agency is an independent uh, talent agency. So we rep um, just like a multitude of acts in, in, in different genres. Um, part of our, let's see, we have Shintaro Sakamoto on our roster, who's from, uh, he's from Japan. We have Dumbo Gets Mad from Italy. Um, we have Davila Seis, um, Los Dug Dugs, Os Mutantes. Um, so, yeah, we have a pretty wide uh, range of acts that we rep. We also have uh, Tropa Magica from L.A., mm. um, Ilavamba from Portland, um, Vaya Futuro from Mexico City, Easy Easy from Guatemala. So, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, we have something for everybody, every music fan. Um, you know, when, when, when I think about the artists that you've represented, uh, there's a common theme as far as, like, you know, cultural artists uh is that on purpose right so yeah again that's definitely part of like the narrative of how i how i got into doing this so right around 2012 um i started to see like a bunch of different indie acts uh singing in spanish and i was introduced to this from from club fonorama um right around the same time i had found this band called davila seis and they were from puerto rico and i first read uh, a review about them on Pitchfork and I just like I played the song and and it was just like one of the catchiest uh, songs that I'd heard in such a long time and it was all in Spanish and I, I think from that moment on it was a turning point in which I just uh, started to focus more and, and immerse myself more in in uh, Indian Spanish and it kind of just led me to this to this world of acts that were that were happening all over the world and particularly in 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 like South America and in Mexico. And yeah, I just became a curious kid. And over time, uh, what, once I started, you know, booking my first acts, um, I, I was already a fan of a lot of these acts that needed, um, that needed representation in the US. And people just kind of recommended me to, to certain acts that I was already a fan of. So it happened really naturally. That's awesome. I have to ask you, what is what would you consider the most important part of the relation to, relationship between agent and artist? Um, I think the most important part is to have a, a common vision and a common goal and to really communicate on on, on what you want to do, you know, manage expectations. But um, I mean, kind of just to explain what we do, I don't know if I really ever truly explained, but uh, as an agent, you're basically the architect of the of the career trajectory of the artist. So, so if you envision like a like a tour poster and it's got ten dates on it, 
it's somebody's job on the team to plan out that whole tour date by date, negotiate the terms of the live performance. Um, so this person is the booking agent. So you work closely with the manager and with the act to create this like growth strategy through live performance. So I think it's, uh, it's always important to identify what your goals are and collectively it's your job to, to execute them. At what point do you think an artist needs an agent? That is a great question. Um, at the point in which uh, they start packing clubs, um, you know, at like 100 and 200 capacity clubs, if, you know, if, the, if you as, a, as your band leader are, are booking your shows in LA and, and you could fill a 200, 200 capacity room, I'm sure there will be agents already present uh, looking to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can totally see that. And I find, well, you tell me, you know, you have more insight on this than, than I do. Um, what do you find works for bands, you know, in their pre-agent t- period that would allow them to have that kind of growth? Is it simply about the song? Is it more about like, you know, what part of the city you're performing in? Uh, and I'm sorry if this is unsolicited advice, <laughs> but uh, oh, not I'm just at all. curious, yeah. Yeah, please, of course. <laughs> um, let's see. You know, it's got to be a combination of, of everything. There's not just one thing. There isn't one, like, size-fits-all formula for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, obviously, your music has to be special, even if it's not recorded at the top quality, And but your, your music has to definitely resonate with people. Yeah. Um, so the more that you're able to execute that, then, you know, you'll start to gain some listeners. And I think it's just, um, you know, getting together with, with other folks to, uh, you know, to put your, to put your shows on and to, uh, to find other acts like that are like-minded and, and you kind of just wrangle up your people and eventually uh, over time that will grow. Yeah, I think there, at now more than ever, there needs to be at least at some stage, maybe in the early stage, there has to be some uh, entrepreneurial approach to your artistry. Uh, to an extent, right? Because it's still art, but um, I think there has to be some sort of approach where you plan and and you really, really take these steps seriously. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know there there is this kind of narrative that that we've that we've all heard that that one day you know you, bands get discovered, um, and it's just like super mystified. But no, I mean it's just like any other job. You you have to really be resourceful the 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 most difficult part is i think is that there is no that i know of an early education on this like in any school programs right like really explaining to you what a manager or what an agent is um i kind of you know obviously like i had to learn it um as i went and i had to ask people questions and and people had to give me chances but um yeah if i could change anything i think i would i would educate kids early earlier on 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 what some of these some of these things are and, and how you can get your foot in the door. Yeah, no, that's totally right. Um, like, I think you can read all the books. You can, you know, you could do all the research, but I think it, nothing really um, replaces actually going out there and building your network. Because uh, that's what's been, that's what stood out, has stood out to me through this conversation so far, that every step of the way uh, to network, yeah. to network, sorry. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry, sorry if I cut you off there. No, cool. But um, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
you know, I know that there's like uh, music business programs in colleges and, and there's tools online. And, and I obviously I like I recommend that everybody try, you know, reading a bit about, you know, the music industry if you're interested in it. But uh, it's gonna it, it has a lot to do with reaching out to people and and yeah, just being a good person and and, you know, building alliances with people and, and delivering. You know, I think what you said, you just said something really important and being a good person, like it sounds simple, it sounds obvious, but I, I, I really think that's the foundation for a lot of things that happen to people, like in, in a good thing, like all the good things that happen to people. Um, you know, I, I remember talking to a band and, and I just, I, I didn't have much advice to give them, but based on what I knew about them, I just said, just be good to people, you know, every person you encounter, just be good to them. And not because you want something in return, but because you actually want to be a good person. And um, I'm pretty sure that things will start to fall in line. Uh, so I think that's a great, great point you just made. Um, did you always want to be an agent? Yeah, I mean, the thing is that I didn't know what a booking agent was. Nobody ever told me. Um, and I didn't uh yeah it wasn't a career trajectory that was that was funneled into into the realm of possibility for me um but i think once i figured out what i was doing and what it meant um then i really focused and uh, honed in on the craft of learning what to do so when, when you learned and when you started to at least understand a little more about booking agents and their role in the whole ecosystem uh, what did you, what did you figure out? Like, what, what did you, I guess the question is, what do you need to be an agent, both like officially and legally and intangible? Like, what are the intangible things you need to, to be successful in that world? Gotcha. Okay. So again, yeah, the, these questions, like this particular question, it's like, there is a trajectory into being an agent. Um, and there's a formal way of doing it. Uh, I had zero idea about that, uh, but essentially, like, <laughs> there later on from working all the time and finding out who you know who does what and who the players are, um, it turns out that there are maybe like five or six or seven major talent agencies that represent uh, most of the talent that that you listen to, like I don't know Kendrick Lamar, Sting, uh, all the all the bands that we that we loved listening mm -hmm. to that we grew up with. Um, so they're all basically centralized in these in these conglomerate agencies, and uh, the way that you become an agent is uh, you have to start off in their mailroom um, <laughs> and work your way up. Right. Um, yeah. So so that's like the traditional way of doing it. Um, the thing is that you know the state that the at the you know agencies are in right now. Um, you know when I started booking some of those like Latin alternative Latin indie acts, I, w I was doing it because nobody else was, and because I wanted to see some of those shows myself. Yeah. So it was like, damn, like I want to see such and such band play here. Like, I'm gonna book that tour, and and I was lucky enough to have learned along the way, you know, what to do, the whole process of it. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's like as a as a super curious fan, and and you know, I just. I wanted to do it because nobody else would. And yeah, over time, it just kind of, um, yeah, I just refined the the craft of, of learning how to do it. Did you have any mentors along the way? Uh, did I have any mentors? Not necessarily. Like I, I had many people who did um, 
you know, in some way, shape or form, hold my hand and teach me like valuable lessons. Yeah, um, and yeah. I had like colleagues that I worked with and we all learned together. We all learned from each other's mistakes. We all made mistakes together. We, uh, we learned things together, celebrated victories and losses together. But uh, no, I haven't had like one mentor that held the, that really like, you know, taught me things. I mean, that sounds awesome to have a, a group, a collective like that too to be able to grow with. Um, Actually, let me rephrase that. There are some, man there, there are a lot of managers that gave me a chance and that gave me a shot and did give me a lot of good advice. And I, I would consider them my mentors. And there's people that I learned from that, that did like tours for other artists. And, and I would, you know, see how they booked their tours. And, and to some degree, I think those were my mentors, like studying what other people did. Super awesome. Super awesome. Um, do you have any do you have any stories you could share like do you have like a memorable moment in your booking agent time that always stands out whenever you think about it you smile and you're like man that was fun oh man i i have so many i bet i um, bet you do <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah okay so to just like you know go over like some of the acts that i that i've worked with over the years like um just you know either for like short amounts of time or like extended periods of time um i i did like a lot of like uh let me see i did like los nasties uh el maton policia motorizado protistas from chile um there was jepe there was javier amena there was uh the marias adanowski tomas el real um there were just so many moments to celebrate but i think one of the ones that i'll never forget i, I don't really tell the story but um, I was in San Francisco and I was tour managing and I had also booked the full tour for Javier Amena. Um, and this was, I'm going to say like 2017. So the night before or the night after, I think we played at the Terragram Ballroom in LA. And then the following day we had, um, we had a show in San Francisco and the show was awesome. It went great. Um, it was packed, but uh, at the end of the night, I'm trying to settle the show. And I'm trying to get the artist paid and, and, you know, do the ticket counts and the W9 and all that other stuff. And um, the dude who's like, who's in charge of, you know, counting out the money is just like taking his sweet time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then like, I keep getting phone calls from like, from, from like the tour manager and, and, and the other, some of the other like members of the, of the camp. And they're like, Hey, like, the street sweepers coming. It's like two a.m. The street sweepers <laughs> coming, and we need to get the car out of the way. Nobody else here drives, uh, has a driver's license, and can operate a vehicle. Like we need you now. So, you know, I ran out of there. I'm I'm going down the street, and then the street sweeper is maybe like ten, fifteen feet away. Oh boy! And then uh, Javier Menas, <laughs> tour manager, has a lit joint, jumps into the van, and starts uh, starts driving away from the. Uh, from from the street sweeper and i'm chasing after it and uh, <laughs> and then like somebody opens the door and i jumped in and then he got he made a right turn into like the next street and i somehow just you know i had to like switch up and start driving but um but yeah just so many of those crazy kinds of moments in which um you know you just have to deal with <laughs> with real life things that's insane, uh, during man. The tour. that's insane yeah. that's that sounds like fun though uh man those are the things that really uh you know, as a music fan, I'm sure, you know, you, like you said, you grow up going to shows and, and, and following your favorite acts. And 
you know, it's like silly little moments like that, that I feel really build that bond and just like that allow you to look back and just, you know, just be be content with certain things, you know, um, especially right now, right now, given the state of the live music industry, that it's pretty much non-existent, like, you know, s- simple little things like that, I feel like just kind of, you know, make you feel good. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have so many good memories tied to live music. I'm sure you can think about your 10 favorite shows and, and look back and smile at those moments. Yeah, absolutely. No Effects is, is probably top three. Um, are, are you a No Effects fan, by the way? It's kind of off topic. Um, I really like Punk and Drublick. That was a great album. That is a great album. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me ask you, uh, and I don't know if, if, if you don't have to answer this, but what do you look for in an artist? First and foremost, I really have to like the music. I have to just like, I have to bump it. I have to like really just live with it um, in order to kind of get me to, to be excited to, to work for an act. When I listen to, to an act, like I have to be able to imagine like what, where I'm going to book them, what venues. And that process kind of runs through my head when I really like an act. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just really have to like the music. Um, I like different kinds of, I, I love every genre. I mean, I listen to everything from like jazz to banda to hip hop. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily like, you know, tied down to a certain genre, but I just, I really have to love the music. That's awesome, man. Uh, do you think it's necessary to have such a wide interest in music to be an agent? Um, it's not. It's not necessary to be an agent. I think it's necessary for the soul, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but to be an agent, I mean, there's people out there. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but I'm sure there are human beings out there who have my job who really just like one genre or a few genres here and there and aren't open to other things, and that's okay too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, I agree with you. It's totally, totally good for the soul to dive into those rabbit holes. Um, yeah. Listen, uh, I know that right now we're in August of 2020, and the live music industry is obviously taking a big hit. It's, it's, right. it's. We don't even recognize it anymore. But let's go back pre pre COVID. What were you noticing about the music, the live music industry at the time? Like, were there certain things or trends that you were really excited about uh, or just anything that you were just like, you know, v- really rooting for in the industry there? Yeah, I mean, there were there were so many things to root for. It, it was uh, the live music and like uh, business was really healthy. Um, people were going to concerts often. Um Let's see, what was I excited for? I think it's, you know, I saw that there were a lot more like Latinx, Latinx acts, uh, you know, just being integrated more into into the the opportunities that that we saw like gringo bands in. So you would start to see more Latinx acts uh, at like the Lollapaloozas, at the uh, at the Coachellas, at the Bonnaroos, festivals like that. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And I felt that... Um, you know, as a as a music listener, as a kid, I remember it, it, I was mainly looking at white bands on TV. Um, so I think I always wanted like a, a local brown band or just somebody that was more representative of like the way that we looked to be up there. Um, and I wanted to see that more often. So I, I started to see that more often. And I was pretty excited about that. 
Um, it's really important, man. It's really important. Yeah. Um, do Do you ever think about um, Do you ever think about legacy? Uh, what do you mean? Like, like, like you know, do you ever think about legacy? Like, as far as like, um, you know, what you're gonna leave behind for the music industry? Um, not necessarily. I mean, it's not so much about like I don't think about like ultimately what what I will leave behind or what my impact will be. I just um, I just want to make sure that whoever is part of my team that I'm I'm able to serve the team the best. And I think if um, you know everything that I get involved in that I do, like I just want to make sure that I'm doing it like with purpose and that I do it right, and that ultimately like with the right intentions. And I think you know at the end of your years when you can look back at your career, see the things that you've done, like you know you'll know that you did the right thing. Or at least tried. No, that's an awesome. That's an awesome approach. Um, do you have any predictions for 2021? Or uh, I mean, what are some of the conversations you guys are having about live music these days? I know we started off with something that's very important, but uh, you know, what are some of the things that you foresee? Yeah, I mean, that I foresee. It's uh, by the way, like you know, my my views do not reflect the views of Space Agency. These are Christian Morales views over here. For sure. <laughs> but um, let's see. Uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Um, it's going to be tough to figure out, you know, to what capacity or when it'll be safe to gather again for human beings in, in, in small clubs and, in, you know, in, in festivals and stuff like that. Um, people are definitely going to try to make live shows happen next year. Some of them might. Um, some of them might execute it well. Uh, but yeah, j- you know, if we just think about logistically what it's going to take for, you know, for there to be a, a vaccine and for that to be distributed to the, the whole world and for, you know, broken economies to recover, um, we're just, we're looking at, at a long haul here. You know, what do you think about the old, like, people always say, oh, we're in L.A., it's hard to convince people to come out to shows, there's so much to do, there's so many options, like, that. it's so tough. Like, how do you feel about that? In regular let times, me... obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, you know, if there, was, if there was a saturation of, of live shows, like, uh, there is, there's no doubt about that. Um, but... The shows that were done right, um, I think, did have like good attendance. I, there were amazing shows that had like low ticket sales. I don't know, man. It's a you have a whole lot of people out there whose attention is being like, you know, distributed in, in so many ways, so many directions. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot to do in LA, and I, I don't know. That's why like some of the hardest hustling bands, you know, somehow how able to make it happen to get people out to their shows. Let's um let's 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 uh let's ditch the business for a second. Let me ask you as an Angelino, sure. do you have a favorite spot to eat in LA? Ooh. Wow. Damn. Uh, you, that can, you can name a few. You can name a few if you want. All right. Let's see. I have a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Okay, so there's a there's a chicken spot in MacArthur Park and I think it's called Dino's Chicken. Are you familiar oh, with what dude, I'm talking about? I had Dino's today. I, yeah, I mean, I can smell Dino's, it on my fingers right now. Yeah, wow, that's, <laughs> that's the best smell in LA. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Dude, Dino's Chicken, I think, is one of my favorite spots um, for pupusas. You know you know what I'm going to say, man? Los Molcajetes. Uh, the the spot. one on Hoover and 7th? Yeah, the one on Hoover and 7th. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Let's see. So I'm a big fan of, like, you know, uh, the outskirts of L.A. So I, I, I grew up in Bell and in, like, you know, eventually in, like, Norwalk in the southeast L.A. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I like a lot of spots, like, around. Uh, there, there's, like, there's different pockets of L.A., that have like you know different cultural concentrations like yeah. in in artesia there's like the the indian food so that's that's basically where i go like my number one takeout area to go to is like uh indian food in artesia oh really there's I, a didn't spot know called, I didn't know that yeah it's amazing um obviously there's like little little ethiopia um wait what's the indian, what's the indian spot you're gonna you're gonna say Oh, ooh, yeah, this is a special place. It's called Raz Raj. R A S R A J. Check it out. Amazing. Dude, yeah, for sure, for sure. I was just listening to a podcast. Um, it's called Asian Enough, and they had a um, Indian, uh, I think, I don't know if she's Indian, Amer- Indian American or she was born in India, but either way, she was Indian and uh, she was talking about Indian food in America and how it hasn't had its moment because it just doesn't look good photographed like it doesn't really like it's not a photogenic cuisine it looks um, great to me man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm like please show me more photos <laughs> yeah yeah please more curry um yeah that's cool man uh there's yeah you know i always tell people there's so much food to eat here in la like there's so many options uh, there's so many different places we're lucky, man. I, I 100%. Super, super lucky. Um, that's one of the you industries can, that I, I was really concerned about early on in the pandemic. Oh, yeah, dude. I was going, I was like supporting as many restaurants as possible. Like, I, I still do, but I was like really worried about that in the very beginning. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the spots that I like did survive. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, th- that is interesting because... Although when I drive down the neighborhood now, I see a lot of businesses that didn't make it. Some of my favorite places are still around. So that's cool. Um, that's a really good thing. Um, we just got to cross our fingers and, and keep eating delicious food, man. I like to, I like to uh, support the mom and pops a little more than the, than the bigger chains. But yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. During the pandemic, you, you got to only support mom and pops. 100%. Like, yeah, McDonald's like doesn't need my two dollars. Hey, you're not pretty, you're not active on social media, huh? Yeah, you know I don't have any social media pages. Uh, I don't have an Instagram. Never had one. Um, I I have like Facebook Messenger. I don't have an active Facebook account. Uh, I don't know, but you know, there's just uh, I I was working a lot and I had to really concentrate on and you know it's just my life is just a lot uh, smoother without having social media accounts you are a busy man i can attest to that and i totally understand uh listen christian you know that's it for the conversation thank you so much for coming on uh dude i appreciate you um i feel like we thank you for having me dude thank you for coming on seriously i think it's long overdue we're gonna do a part two uh once we can all just like get together and have in-person conversations um you're a very insightful guy man you're a hard-working dude and I appreciate it, man. Dude. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, man. All you, day, every day. You're an insightful guy. If it weren't for your Central American tape, like, damn, I don't know, man. But, I mean, you're doing some awesome work out there. So, thank you. And, yeah, man, thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon, brother. 
Yeah, man. Take care. For new music, upcoming events, and Normandy Records merchandise, visit our website at normandyrecords.com. Thanks for listening to the Normandy Records podcast.